In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. All right, welcome back. Uh, we have a very special guest today. Tiffany is with us. And uh, Tiffany actually works with us and she does a lot of the editing and I am uh, unbelievably grateful for the fact that Tiffany stepped up and said, hey, can I share my story? So Tiffany, I am, I, I'm actually really almost giddy, kind of excited about to hear where you're at and what's been going on and to hear the story behind the story. Um, so I, I'm going to just say thanks for joining us. Thanks for being able to come on here. Let's, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. And I know we were chatting offline. The reason why I volunteered my story is because I'm not sure it's a narrative that gets shared very often. So yeah. Um, I'm from Iowa from the Midwest. I know you were there somewhat recently, Tim. So I hope that you yeah. enjoyed your time in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of flat in Iowa. And then all of a sudden there's yeah. this huge cave complex. I was like, where'd this come from? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, I just grew up in Iowa, graduated from Urbandale, which is a suburb of Des Moines. And I guess looking back, so um my best friend from high school, her name is Amber, and we met met up or like reunited a couple of years after high school had ended. And I met my husband three months out of high school, you guys. So my life took off right away and I started having babies and I was enrolled in college, but, um, I ended up being pregnant and I was like, that's okay. I'm happy to be a mom too. So when we had reunited, she was like, oh my gosh, I remember you always saying that you just wanted to be a mom. And I was like, really? Okay. And I think that she was just reminiscing, but I was like almost disappointed in myself, I guess, because I thought, really, that's all I wanted to be was a mom. But looking back at, you know, I think lots of times we aspire for what we know, right? We want to be a mom like our mom was, or we want to be a dad like our dad was. Now, lots of times there's things that we see that we don't like, and we say, I'm never doing that as a parent. But I just kind of felt like my lot in life was to be a mom and a wife. So I met well, my where husband. Where did you get that though? Where where did you come up? How did you come up with the fact that okay, my lot in life is going to be a mom or a, a wife? Like where did where did that come? Where did that stem from? Was it something that you saw exemplified? Was it something that was spoken to you, society? Like where did that come from? It was definitely through osmosis, just through observation. Um, I don't remember anybody telling me that, but I also don't remember anybody telling me like, you can be anything you want to be. I don't remember people asking me, what are you going to do when you graduate college? I don't remember that question. Um, now I did take Japanese for four years. I excelled. I loved it. I went to Japan and I think that maybe people just assumed I was going to do something with that, but I wasn't ever asked. I wasn't ever challenged and I wasn't ever taught how to set goals. So it was just, I watched my mom and I grew up in a really small town in Iowa. And then in sixth grade is when we moved to Urbandale, but I don't remember I, I don't remember my friends talking about going to college. I just don't remember conversations about what are you doing after school? And so I guess I saw my mom being a mom and a wife and my parents were blue collar workers. 
they had not gone to gone to college. My sister, oh my gosh, that girl came out of the womb, like curling hair and cutting hair. She has been a cosmetologist her <laughs> whole life. Uh, she always knew what she wanted to be. She would do my hair when we were little. So she was going to be a cosmetologist. There was no if ands, no questions about it. And me, I just got lost in the mix. I never, I just was never challenged or questioned. Were you a middle child or were you older or what, where did you fit in the line of siblings? I only have an older sister, so I am the youngest. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what do you remember? So if you don't remember people really pushing you, what do you remember about, is it just the fact that you remember watching your mom being a mom and your dad just going to work doing the nine to five? Is that like the predominant thoughts and, and memories that you have? Yeah, my dad actually worked a lot. And so I think that my mom, in retrospect, being an adult now, I'm not sure she had the availability to have a job, right? Like she needed to be home with the kids. And I think we all run into this. I know I did when we started having kids. Does it make more sense for me to go work and put our kids in daycare? Or mm. does it make more sense just to stay home? Like how much ahead are we if I put the kids in daycare and I work? And so I don't think that my mom had a huge skill set that would allow her to, you know, get some impressive high paying job. So I think it made more sense for her to stay home. And I guess that's just what I saw exemplified. And I thought, okay, that's what we do. We get older, we have babies and we support our husbands. So we, if you could, can, can you like, because I really, truly believe this. And I, I've shared this a lot that the, everybody resonates and they all have different stories, but if you could encapsulate your childhood and growing up, if you could encapsulate it in a few beliefs, what would you say were the core beliefs prior to you stepping into adulthood? What were those core beliefs that you were going to accomplish based on the fact of what you established as a child? Well, I don't think I was going to accomplish much because my sister was prettier. She was thinner and she was more girly. Like if there was dirt, <laughs> I was in it, Tim. I loved it. We would camp every weekend. I remember at night I would get in, we, in our camper, we had, um, like a bunk bed, right. My sister and I shared it and she would just squirrel and scream with like how dirty I was. And I was like, whatever, I'll wash it off tomorrow. <laughs> like, I just loved being in the dirt. And then in sixth grade, my mom said, if you don't start brushing your hair and take care of your hair, I'm going to cut it off. <laughs> and I did not take care of my hair and it kept getting tangled. And she eventually cut my hair off. So I actually had the girls in sixth grade call me a dyke. I didn't know what that was. And I had to ask my mom. So I remember asking my mom, like, mom, what's a dyke? What does that mean? So I don't think people were very nice to me in that respect. And I had an aunt that was pretty downright mean to me and really valued my sister. And to this day, I'll see her comment on my sister's stuff on Facebook. And I'm like, hmm. and I don't realize she knows the damage that she did. And I would say in my memories, in my, in retrospect, she did the most damage than anybody in my life telling mm. me how I wasn't worth anything. And, you know, you had to be thin and pretty and you had to know what you were going to do after high school. And I was none of those. So growing up, there was this show that we watched it's called the Brady Bunch. Oh yeah. And I don't know if you can relate at all. And it, it, what you're telling me though, is that, I mean, I hear the, the words ringing, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. It's all about Marsha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that, I mean, is that a good mental picture for individuals to yes. kind of like it? Mm -hmm. yep, yeah. A hundred percent. I was just in her shadow. Mm. And I think that I felt so inferior or yeah, inferior that I didn't even try. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's amazing how much value and how much actually gets translated 
or lack of there in our childhood. Um, yeah. You know, and then we form that belief and then, you know, you enter into, so you graduated from high school and if, and I'm guessing, I don't know this, but you graduated from high school and said, well, the best that I can do is get married and have kids. Is that where you were at mentally? Yeah. I mean, I just really fell head over heels in love with my husband. I mean, he was my manager at famous Dave's and actually, uh, at the end of the shift, you had to like turn in your money. Right. And, but they always did it behind locked doors in case, you know, somebody tried to steal it or whatever. And I remember I purposely waited to be the last server to turn in my money that night. And I looked at him and he had his back to me and he was putting my money away or whatever. And I said, Hey, how about you come over here and give me a little server loving? And he turned his chair around and he gave me a big old kiss. And I mean, the rest was history. We've been married almost 23 years and I still would choose him hands down. Oh my gosh. I got so lucky. I don't know how I got that lucky. He's <laughs> amazing. Um, I think there's and, a lot of mystery that happens sometimes in our lives. And when we expect one thing and we want to be one thing, and then yet God kind of blesses us or you get a little thing of like this mystery <laughs> of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I actually think it's interesting too, that we're having this conversation because I know there were two times specifically where I think I really tested, does he actually love me? But yeah, it was just such a, I guess. I know my parents loved me and I knew my friends loved me, but it was just a different kind of love. And mm. I guess I hadn't been extended that from somebody outside of my family before. So it's kind I, of I, a I, cool thing. Can I suggest the word unconditional? Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's kind of what it sounds like. And so many times as far as, and not just the girls growing up, but also the boys growing up, sometimes there's that conditional fact of, you know, whether it's spoken or unspoken. And you mentioned that. Is there, there's a conditional aspect. I can be accepted or I can be valued if, and mm -hmm. um, was that the first time that you actually felt that unconditional love from your husband? I definitely feel it from my parents and from my sister, but man, that interaction with my aunt really messed me up. And mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, someone outside of my family, because I would consider aunts and uncles kind of outside your family. Like the people in my home made me feel loved. Yeah, But yes, it was the first time that like, I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to screw it up and he's going to go, I'm going to screw it up and he's going to go. And he never left. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we can uncover. And I love the fact that you're sharing and you're so transparent. And I appreciate that beyond words uh, because I can hear behind the scenes, the fact of your, your self-worth was attached to, and, and I mean, my curiosity is killing me. So I have to ask this, why was there so much value on your aunt's opinion of who you were why did that hold so much weight in your soul I think I've had a lot of time to reflect on that and part of it was because she was pretty and she was thin and it was like my aunt right and so I just wanted to like impress her also they had very nice vehicles and we didn't have nice cars we I mean we just grew up blue collar family like nothing awful nothing special and so I think that she was really accomplished and successful and I wanted her so badly to see in me what she had seen in my sister. And I never got the time of day. I never got a chance in. And I think one thing that kind of highlighted that is I think I remember my family having an argument and me overhearing my mom talking about it with my grandmother and me being like, what? She, she doesn't like me. No. And then it all just kind of went downhill from there. So 
I think that that's why so much weight was in her is because she was so much more successful and she wore like suits and, you know, really had, a, she had a great accent. And I just, I looked up to her mm-hmm. and then she didn't have anything nice to think about me. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how we put that weight as children and it's not something that we just look up to individuals and then we allow them to have that opinion of, of who we mm-hmm. are. And then we adopt that opinion. Um, so, yeah. so as you're stepping into this, I mean, you're like, you're, you're ready to step into adulthood. You, you believe that your value is low. You probably self-confidence is a little bit low on that. Um, obviously you love your husband to death and I love that about you all. Uh, but what, <laughs> what made that transition? Um, because if you thought that the only thing you could attain to was to be a wife and a mom, like what, what allowed you, what, was there a hardship that came into play? Was there somebody that actually, maybe it was your husband that spoke into you and said, look, you have value. Like what was that bend in the road like? Well, I thought that my husband was supposed to be successful and I was just his support system. Right. And then honestly, I ask I mean, why though, why, why was that the thing? Why, why did you believe that you were just supposed to be a support system? Was that because of the belief from the childhood? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'd seen my mom do that. And then okay. when I met my husband, I didn't think I was good enough for him. His family is a little bit higher class than mine. And I thought like, why do you want me? Like I'm nothing. Why, why do you want to be with me? But he chose me. And so I rode that wave and enjoyed it and was thankful for it. And I don't know. I think we went through the battle of daycare versus me working and it made more sense to stay home And then also along the way, I would apply for jobs, but I didn't have a college degree. So I would get discounted before I even got interviewed. And I actually had great self-esteem. And so it would kill me that I would be like, I am such a catch for your business, but you won't give me a chance because I didn't attend some stupid four-year degree. And, and, you know, I've gotten over it for the most part, but the other day I was getting out of the shower and I thought, you know what? If you want somebody that has gone to college because it shows that they can stick to something, I've been married for almost 23 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's way harder than any four-year degree at any university. I don't care we, who you are. <laughs> yeah, we have 27 years. So I, I, I can attest you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. <laughs> so, but, okay. So then I think that there's like this belief that like success is out there for anybody. But in my mind, for some reason, it was framed only to immigrants, which I don't, I have no clue where that comes from. But I thought, oh, you know, I think it's because immigrants come over here looking for the American dream, not realizing that Americans get to live the American dream and they see it. And that's why it's the American dream. So I had taken this course and it was all about starting a career through your passion. And they use a Japanese term, ikigai, which means something that the world needs, something that you're good at and something people will pay you for. I was starting this business. It was called Everyday Errands. And I was going to be a concierge for people in the area. I'd pick up their dry cleaning or I would go do their Costco run or help them out with birthday parties or whatever. Like, I just love variety in my day. Was this before Uber and before all that stuff? Was that this this was probably (laughs) this is the precursor to Uber? (laughs) (laughs) No, sadly, like all my brilliant idea. Just this. Well, unlike some of your other guests, which I'm so jealous that everybody gets this revelation so much sooner than I did. But honestly, I had this revelation three years ago Mm. that success is out there for anybody. And it has been a flood of growth and maturity and knowledge along the way about everything that I have learned about business and personal growth and 
interacting with people and, you know, it really came. Okay. So quickly. So I, I took this course and I was going to do this every day errands and I was going to develop that. And she was like, you know, I was paying a lot of money for this course. And so she had said something about, well, what is your passion? Well, my passion wasn't running errands for people. My passion was music. So then she had mentioned that you could get guests for other people's podcasts. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get guests for other podcasts about music. And then I joked with my husband on a Sunday and I was like, maybe I should have a podcast. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that way I, I'm walking the walk of I'm talking the talk. Well, then I started doing it and I fell in love with the editing piece of it. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So then through that and through having success and then two years ago, I think for Mother's Day, my husband gave me a laptop and the note on the top of it was, we all believe in you. And that meant so much to me that he was willing to invest the money in it, that he was willing to, not willing to say the words, but that he said the words, that he wrote it down, that it was on paper. I still have the note. It meant so much to me. Like this really successful person, there is a song um, by Maren Morris and it's, it's called The Good Ones. And it's talking about how she loves this man because he's solid and he's steady and he knows just who he is and where he's going. And that is one of the things I love the most about my husband. And I thought this straight arrow sees that in me. And then, you know, I think about all these people looking for the American dream and I was, Tiffany, <laughs> you can have the American dream. You are not this dumb girl from Iowa that didn't go to college that everybody discounted because you didn't have a college degree because you didn't follow the steps like everybody else did. Like you have value and you are bringing value into this world. And I was finally doing something like, I mean, I could do my business from morning to night. Like I usually am like, okay, Tiffany, you need to stop. You go <laughs> with your family. Like there, first of yeah. all, there's a plethora of work to do, but also I just enjoy doing it. It's not, it's not a burden to me to do it. What, what was the trigger though? And, and before you do this, I, I uh, to the audience and people that are listening, if it's a country song that Tiffany was just referring to. And if you haven't heard and you don't like country, go look up this song. And I can't remember the title. Maybe you know the title. Is it one of the good ones? Is that the title? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you go look up one of the good ones, and even if you just Google the lyrics, but actually read the lyrics on that, because um, it is such a powerful, and that's why I love country songs because they're such powerful stories. And uh, so it just, that resonated with you. So make sure you go Google that. All right. Now back on the question part of that, was there something that triggered, because you said it was about three years ago. And I know that this journey, this story that we start to craft, it, it, you know, you, I'm sure that you're still learning and growing, but was there something that triggered three years ago that was that bend that caused you to take that turn and say, look, I have got to do this differently than what I've been doing it for. I don't know how old you are. And I don't want to insult <laughs> the last 10 years, <laughs> last 20 years, whatever, 21. There you go. I mean, like it was, but what was that? Was there a, a, a catalyst or a trigger or something, some kind of an event that actually turned that corner? Well, two things. When we moved to Florida five years, six years ago, I felt like our kids were old enough that I could re-enter the workforce. So I did. I hated every job that I took. <laughs> and so I was driving around in this sales job that I had in the car, listening to podcasts. And one of them was called don't keep your day job. And so I'm listening to it, listening to it. And then that's basically what she does. She pours into people and she tells them that they have value. And she tells them that it's out there for anybody. And she says, the time is going to pass anyway. So, you know, do you want to ignore this desire to do something different or do you want to do it? Because the time's going to pass anyway. 
So in six mm. months, do you want to be where you are or do you want to have had a change? And like I said, I just fell into the editing and I just loved it. And so it was a complete no brainer for me. That yeah. happened in March, 2020. Right before COVID. <laughs> gotcha. March, 2020 is when Michigan got shut down. Yep. There are, and I, I, I see this sometimes it's trauma. Sometimes it's an event. Sometimes it's a situation, but the fact that you moved and you uprooted, um, I know my wife, we've moved several times. And so my wife has had challenges when it comes to the stability. Was that, a was that, did that also play into it just because you had to now figure out new grocery stores and new doctors and you had to figure out a whole lot of other things. Was that part of that, that process, that, that perspective shift, did that create anything in there? No, I think it was really that our kids were all in school and I finally felt like it's my time. What do I want to do? I got my 217, the license for life insurance. And that was a joke to say the best. I didn't probably get in with the right company and it's not my personality. So I don't, I had no right getting that certification. And then I did a sales job and the sales job was fine. But what I would find is that I would sell something and then from point B to Z, it would get messed up. And that was really frustrating <laughs> to me because of my integrity. That's not what I sold that customer. I sold them this awesome service and instead it got really messed up. And mm. so I wanted to do something where I was in charge of it. So if something failed, I was in charge of it. If something broke, it was my fault. Like I was okay with having all that responsibility. Yeah. But if, if I said that the moving, no, because <laughs> we have moved, um, this, we just moved last month just because we rent and we had to move. Otherwise we would not have, but we've moved 14 times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've done the same. Uh, I think we're around 12 right now. So not quite 14, yeah. but I think we're around yeah. 12. I, and uh, for, for those listening, I mean, I, I get the reaction. I'm sure you do too. The reaction, like, how, how do you do that? Like, how do you move that many times? Why can you? And it, it's, it, it's definitely, I think something that speaks towards, that entrepreneurial spirit that you have is, and it's, I'm assuming too, that's probably a part of your husband's life as well that causes that. And then the fact that now like, okay, I do have time to pay attention. And then I, again, I'm making big assumptions here, but I think the 20 plus years of your husband speaking positive, encouraging words, and then saying, look, I'm with you. I'm going to stick with you probably helped for you to even have more confidence to be able to jump off that bridge and say, okay, now I'm going to test some things. And Let's try insurance. Sure. Why not? Let's try. <laughs> well, you know, that's kind of, that's why all of our moves really happened is because somebody would kind of poach him and be like, Hey, we want you to come work with us. And we'd be like, why not? I've always had a just ask policy. Like you want to ask a question. Worst thing they can say is no. So just ask, like, it's not that big of a deal. And you just have to know if it's a no, then be ready for it. And it's not the end of the world. But I would say my husband is 95% entrepreneur. His brain is always going. He's always got the next business in mind. And that has definitely rubbed off on me. And I think seeing him do it and not die made me feel like I could do it and not die. That's awesome. (laughs) So he's been a good example. Yeah. So as we shift into where you're at currently, and I I love the way that you framed it. Uh, There was two things that really popped out. One is you're never too old. I mean, I don't care what, mm. I mean, you, like you said, 20 plus years of marriage and the kids and all the whole nine yards, and you're never too old to get started on something, which I think is awesome. And then the second thing is the fact that we never stop growing and we never stop learning because you're, that's what you said is like, man, I've been three years into this now and I'm still learning and stuff. So how does that frame your current situation, your current mindset? And what are the, well, basically what's the story that you're crafting right now? And, and what are the beliefs that go around that story? 
Well, that's a great question. I want to start it off with saying that I have a group of ladies and we all go to brunch and they're pretty well-to-do ladies. Okay. And I've definitely been forging my way through, but like entrepreneurship, sometimes it's, it's a, it's a slow start. And I'm telling you what, it is not a slow start anymore, but it was a slow start there for a while feeling like, how do I measure up to these women? Why do they even want me in their presence? Like I'm Mm. nobody, I'm nothing. Right. And then I know that people value my personality. So I know that that's why they would want me around. But as far as like their accomplishments, you know, and obviously it didn't matter to them. And so that that's just how I took it. And I'm like, okay, they just enjoy me and go with it and don't question it. So that's what I do. So then one of them was telling me how she's really been watching my journey and how she's so impressed and just all these accolades. And I thought, what? This is coming from this highly successful woman that I'm a big deal. I was like, what? So that was a huge confidence booster, of course. And then recently I had a discovery call with somebody who I thought wanted podcast services. And instead she was like, you know, I have somebody doing all that for me, but would you do consulting? And I was like, yeah, I would do consulting. And I thought, am I charging her for something that I can't do? Like, can I deliver on this? Can Mm. I bring enough value? You know, but I really felt like I could. So I reviewed her account, did the audit and everything. And I was like, okay, I've got a, I've got an action plan going into this first meeting. So we went to the first meeting and we didn't even get halfway through the notes. (laughs) And I thought, oh my gosh, like, not that I've arrived because I am definitely always learning, finding workshops, you know, listening to podcasts. How can I get better personal growth, reading books? And yeah, it was, it was another solidification that like, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I am an expert in my field now, and it was just a great feeling. So where am I now? Um, now I am leveling up. So I have my podcast management business. I take care of 11 podcasts. I think I have two more coming on, which is absolutely amazing. I have two people that help me, which is kind of a cool feeling like. I make enough money, A, that I can pay somebody else and B, I have enough business that I can enhance somebody else's life is just absolutely incredible. And I think that they have a lot to learn from me, which makes me feel good that I will hire you. I will teach you, you know, and we can grow together. And I just feel like sky's the limit. I don't feel like there is any cap on success. And I want everybody to know that like you said, it's never too late and it's out there for anybody. It's the American dream. If you're in America, it's there for anybody. And I've heard so many stories of, you know, things that people could have used as hurdles and roadblocks and where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do believe this in every possible way. I mean, there's, there's a huge push in our society that you have to make a choice between either being a mom or being a business person. And I love that. You're not, you're not making Mm -hmm. that choice. You're, you're in, incorporating and and making them weave together in a way that that is your story. And I love that about you. There's a couple other things, but let me, two questions for you. One is how can people get a hold of you? But the other one Mm -hmm. that I, that I'd love to be able to give you a chance. If those that are listening, what is the one thing that you hope that they take away? If, if nothing else, this is the one thing, what would be that one thing that, that you really want to be able to drive home? Okay. So I would just say it really doesn't matter what other people think of you or your journey. You just have to know in your heart of hearts that I'm, can I tell a fast little story? Please. Okay. This is your story. Okay. So there was a time where my husband and I come from very different backgrounds and I really think that he didn't like how I was being a mom. 
And so I always told myself I wasn't a very good mom. And then one day I was like, I'm a freaking awesome mom. And I was like, no, I hang out with my kids. I'm intentional. I do stuff with them. I find things for them. I do play dates, all this stuff. Right. And so I just got so mad for myself. And I was like, I'm a good mom. And once I put that stake in the sand, I never wavered from it. And so it's the same thing, whatever you're aspiring to do, I'm going to be a podcast manager. You put that stake in the sand and that is where you're going. And it also plays in with your reticular activating system, right? Like when you Mm. can see the end goal, your brain will keep looking for evidence of that. And every time, you know, it's not always been, you know, this huge success story of virtually you, my podcast management business. So in the darker times, you know, there were plenty of times where, I just had to know like, okay, my brain would show me evidence. No, you're doing a good job. No, you got that many clients. No, you have these many discovery calls coming up. And then I would go, oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm going, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. So it's out there for anybody. Don't worry about what other people think about you because it's none of your business anyway. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And if I could sum it up, and this may not be the correct summarization, but you go from being a waitress at Famous Staves to owning your own business and having employees. I mean, that is a huge step. Plus, you've had a family and your kids are graduating. You've got, man, there's just a lot of accomplishment there and a lot of hard knocks, but a lot of accomplishments. So congratulations on that. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, people listen in. Maybe they want to start a podcast and they say, hey, how do I get yeah. in touch with Tiffany? She's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Virtually you, VA.com. On social media, it's at virtually you podcast VA. And really quick, the song that we were talking about, there's actually an episode. I have a podcast called Memories with a Beat. And I actually recorded that song and gave my own emotions and memories about that song and dedicate it to my husband. So it's called like happy early Valentine's day gift. Um, We got to put that that in the links. We got to put that in the links. So we definitely have to put that in the links for people to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would love to have any kind of conversation, even if something's just kind of toying with it, you know, go ahead and schedule a chat with me and we'll see if, you know, this is a possibility or what that roadmap kind of looks like. Also, there's lots of freebies on my website for you to help you get thinking about it and to help you consistently podcast. Yeah, that is so awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I I, I say this every time. Number one, it's like, I feel like this is the best story we have. And then we do the next one. So (laughs) it's like, (laughs) like each one keeps getting better and better. Um, But this is, this is the one thing I really, and I say this every, every episode, but I want to drive this home because I know the people that are on here feel exactly the same way. If something was said on this episode, whether it was something that was touched you as a story, whether you implemented it or made a change, please, please reach out back to us, reach out to Tiffany and just say, Hey, thank you so much for sharing your story. This is what the impact was or reach out to me so I can pass that along to Tiffany. But again, we love these stories. If you have a story you want to share, we want to hear from you guys, go ahead and fill out the form. We can get you into the application process, but until next time, Tiffany, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story. It has been phenomenal. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for the opportunity. And I hope that everybody was encouraged. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live. Enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. 
finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.